Welcome to What the If. The show where anything can happen as long as science or logic can account for it. Or very it. broadly. That's right. Either, or, it either allows it or <laughs> forbids it, but definitely one of them. That's right. <laughs> we are like moths to the flame for the forbidden, mm-hmm. forbidden fruit of mm-hmm. forbidden scientific knowledge. Yeah. Right, right, right. How would you describe this show? Uh, what we do here? Yes. Um, well, we, uh, uh, we do kind of check in with reality um, and usually see what uh, reality has so far decided to forego. Um, and then we go there. Um, so we say, all right, reality has decided that chickens have no lips. What if chickens have lips? <laughs> and then we end up kissing chickens, and then we do oh. jail time, and we're back on the show. This sounds like a good one. Yeah. <laughs> That's not our one for today, but I like it. I'm going to write it down. Chicken lips. <laughs> uh Yes, and um, there's a lot of you out there, and you, you, you all send in lots of fascinating ideas. So at the end of the show, we're going to check in with our listener mail. Uh, so if you've been sending things in, stay tuned for that. We'll see what, what fascinating ifs you guys have been proposing and other thoughts you've had about the show. You can, uh, If you haven't written in, feedback at whattheif.com is the email address, and you can go to the website, whattheif.com, and... Um, you can uh, listen to all our episodes there or simply subscribe. If you are not listening to this while subscribed on your podcast app, uh, I recommend you scroll down and click the subscribe button. This week, um, uh, we have certain, we have, we've encountered uh, certain genres over the past few years as we've been doing this show. And um Sometimes we take on pseudoscience, you know, what if astrology was real? That remains one of our most popular episodes, by the way. We try to say, okay, well, within known scientific laws, how here's how that would work. Um, what if the earth was flat? That, that is also a good one. And today we're going um, with something that sounds a little bit related to that on the surface, but I think these are more, these were serious ideas for the time. And this comes out of, Matt, you were saying you, you have a, this semester coming up, you are a professor of historian of, a historian of science at New York University. And coming up, you are going to be- uh, I am indeed, yeah. In the spring, I am uh, co-teaching with my colleague, um, Hallie Franks, who is a art historian of the ancient Greek world and uh, archaeologist um, mm. and expert on interesting folks like Alexander the Great. Mm. Uh, uh, and uh, the two of us together are teaching a class on um, sort of how the uh, ancient Greek types thought about the world. And we all, I mean, we've, we've got sort of a story in our heads, right? The, the Greeks used to think that uh, the earth was at the center, and then Copernicus told them that they were wrong, and now we decided that uh, we like uh, the earth to move instead of sit at the center. Um, there's also the, the kind of... Um, uh, side version of the story with the idea that the earth was flat, which um, the Greeks did not think, actually. They knew the earth was uh, uh, was spherical. Um, uh, 
uh, and that knowledge is never lost or anything like that. It's actually a very modern idea that the uh, the Earth is flat. Um, but that's all to that's a particular um, uh, narrative. And one of the things that happens when you tell those sort of long, durée stories about knowledge um, is you you uh, ignore a lot of the other things that happen along the way. So it turns out it's not. Uh, an either or thing. It's not that you either think the earth is flat or you think it's round. And it's not that you th either think the earth is at the center or you think it's moving. There's lots and lots of other possibilities there. Um, we just drop them um, because it makes for a neater story. Um, so actually one of the, the, the dominant sort of visions of what the earth was shaped like uh, a couple few thousand years ago um, is one that we don't think about much today. Uh, and that's um, that the Earth was kind of a lump. Um, <laughs> and specifically, um, uh, shield-shaped. So if you, if you imagine an old Greek shield, right, so big and round, um, and kind of a, a dome shape. Like also right? like Captain America's shield. Yeah, exactly right. Yes, that's right. Captain, yeah. that's right. I forgot we had a, a modern reference. That's right. So yes. you think of Captain America's shield. Um, it's not flat. It's not spherical. Um, it's, it's that arced dome shape. Right. right. Um, and oh, no, this is a, uh, uh, this is, for instance, is the shape that the Babylonians thought the earth was. Uh -huh. uh, All right. So here, so this is our if. Yeah. Uh, and, and who... Was there a particular name associated with this? Like yeah, that's right. So actually, this is uh, where we got the uh, the name of the class I'm teaching uh, this spring. Um, is uh, in the Iliad, uh, the the great Greek epic poem. Um, at one point, Achilles, the the hero, um, needs a new shield. So the god Hephaestus makes a new shield for him. And there's this beautiful passage where the it's it's described uh, the the making of this new shield, and then Hephaestus. Um, makes a whole image of the universe on the shield, and it describes in detail what the important parts of the universe are. So it's both a beautiful passage and a, a wonderful um, uh, opportunity to see what the Greeks of that period thought were important. Um, so, for instance, the things when when Hephaestus is is doing the earthy part of the shield, um, he says, okay, so here's some cities uh, and here's some fields um, and here's sheep and here's people looking after the sheep. So we immediately know that, okay, they think of themselves as having a split between urban and rural environments and that sheep are really important to ancient Greek life and so on. Um, so, uh, the, with, so Achilles shield is sort Achilles of a shield. microcosm of so, the universe. So, so, uh, in the Iliad, are we with the? I'm gonna, I'm gonna botch this so badly. Are we with the Trojans? Are we with, who, who are also at USC? Who are? What <laughs> army are we with? Uh, well, I mean, it, it, our the narrative kind of goes back and forth, but we're with the Greeks. With the Greeks, yeah. Greek, Greek, Greek men, <laughs> people of Greece, <laughs> arise, and I present to you, what the if. The Earth were shaped like Achilles' shield. Which is, I suppose, better than if it was shaped like Achilles' heel. Uh, well, certainly the shield is less vulnerable, so I guess that's good. <laughs> what was that? Sorry, sorry. the uh, the uh, the triumphant fanfare uh, chorus. 
pre-chorus. Easy, guys. <laughs> Thank you. Story Thank of my you. life. It is just non-stop fanfares getting in the way of everything. <laughs> so you said about Achilles' heel. Oh, yeah. So the shield is less vulnerable than the heel. So Indeed. Um, Indeed. Uh, yeah, so we can go for that. Um, so, uh, and, and I guess now that Achilles has come up, we should probably mention why it is that we have this phrase, the Achilles heel, right? Uh -huh, so uh -huh. um, when Achilles was born, uh, his mom dips him in the river Styx to uh, make him invulnerable to weapons. But of course, she has to hold him by something. So she holds him by the heel when she dips him. So that's the one part that doesn't go into the river and is therefore um, the only part that is vulnerable. So that's why we have this phrase. Right. Heel. And I think there's, there's a comedian that, I, oh, actually, I think Seinfeld has a routine about this. <laughs> I was just hearing this recently. Like, who does that? What mother have you ever, you know, held your kids by the heel? Um, I am river. definitely not going to confirm that while we are being recorded. <laughs> um, so I'll have to wait on that. Yeah. So uh, exactly. Um, but I should say that, of course, who are we the judge? Who are we every judge? parent tries to make their child invulnerable. Um, it's just some are more successful than others. Right. Right. Um, um, yeah. And the so, river sticks, named after the uh, wonderful band, um, I suppose, of mm -hmm. the 80s. Yep. Right. Um, that's and because they, in fact, um, time traveled. Yeah. Uh, they, they shredded so hard that they ripped open the space time <laughs> continuum. Domo arigato. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So Achilles has this, uh, this lovely shield that is sort of a representation um, of the world. And I guess my point would be this, that it's not, it's not an accident that the Iliad um, uh, talks about the gods making. Uh, a depiction of the universe in this shield shape, because this was a, a, a fairly common view. Um, uh, and, and there were good reasons for this, right? And um, as, uh, it's, as, as sort of an in-between model, is, that is in between the full spherical Earth and a flat Earth, um, it sort of has some of the advantages of both. Right. So um, it's actually so not... I'm yeah. going to start off with this. Our modern world, mm -hmm. this, you know, is on this shield-shaped earth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I assume it makes sense for us to say we are at the center. Did the Greeks feel that they were at the center? Yeah. And in fact, you can, uh, there is a specific spot in Greece. You can still go visit it today if you want. It's in Delphi, um, where oh. the oracle is. It's called the, the Axis Mundi. Um, and there's a, there's a little lump there. So you can say that's the <laughs> amazing. Um, so amazing. since we're New Yorkers, it seems like we should put um, ourselves at the center of this new universe, right? Yeah. Um, so what? Times Square. Yeah, or we could say the Empire State Building. Okay, Empire built State on it. That sounds good. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so that's so this is so this is a helpful thing. So right. um, when you're standing at the bottom of the Empire State Building, uh, you can see uh, a fair distance up and down Fifth Avenue. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then at some point you can't see. Any further. Right. Um, yeah. And there's various explanations you might come up with for that. Um, but if you go to the top of the Empire State Building, you notice something interesting, which is that you can see further right. up and down Fifth Avenue than you could when you were standing at the bottom. So one yeah. of the one of the possible solutions for that uh, is that um, you're standing on a curve. The Empire State Building is on top of uh, a hill. 
say, right? So uh -huh. you know that if you're standing on top of a hill, um, if the hill is steep enough, you can't see the base of the hill from the top, okay? Just because mm -hmm. of the shape of the hill. The hill gets in its own way as, as you're trying to look at it. Right. Um, but then if you get up a little bit higher, you will be able to see over the edge of the hill and then you can see the base of it. Right. So this kind of visual logic is very easy to reconstruct, right? You don't have to have a whole lot of experience of the world in order to figure this out. Um, where it might get weird is one of the things that some of the Greek mathematicians do, which is then try to figure out the actual geometry behind the shape of the hill. But I want to stress that you don't have to do that. The, the conclusion that you're on a hilly surface is perfectly intuitive um, just from going up and down the Empire State Building. You don't have to do any math to figure that out. Right, right. And, right, and, and the idea that, um, well, okay, right, I was going to say, <laughs> uh, we happen to live on a curve. We do actually live on a curved surface. So they were right about that. Yeah, that's bit. right. So, this, so then um, what you do with that, so you grow up, Although, oh, sorry, if it was flat, wouldn't this, the same thing would happen? The higher you go, the more you can see. No, if it's totally flat, you should be able to see to infinity in every direction. Nothing at the, the earth never gets in your way. Ah, okay. Things would get much, much, much smaller. Yeah, things would get dimmer and look smaller. But nothing uh, would also, the important point is that they see a horizon. Yeah, that's right. And the actual um, horizon, as you go higher, that horizon gets further away. Further yeah. away, yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting, um, right? So they were pretty smart, these Greeks. That's right, and I should say this is um, well. It's here. So the the kind of chain of logic we're about to do, lots of people do. It wasn't just the, the Greeks. The mm -hmm. Greeks do a, an extra little bit that um, that we can talk about as well. Um, so if you grow up around the Empire State Building and you realize you're on this uh, this rounded surface, um, it might occur to you someday that you could walk somewhere else. Right. You, you don't yeah. have to stay by the Empire State Building. Um, you could you go could to go Brooklyn. You you could, could. That's right. That's right. So you might say, let's, well, let's walk to, to Brooklyn. Um, and as you walk away from the Empire State Building, um, you're going to, you know that you're walking along that curve, uh, downhill, as it were. Right. And then um, after a little while, um, you'll get to water. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. You're yeah. going to get to the East River. Yeah. Um, and you see that curve. Uh, that you've been walking along descend down into the water and you say, Oh, well, that's interesting. Um, so then you start walking along the shoreline, um, along where the, the round part meets the water and you go all the way around, um, until you come back to where you started and you discover, um, that, yeah, the, 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 the solid surface on which the empire state building is constructed is round like a shield. And then ends at the water. Oh, um, because because we live on this. What the, if we live on a shield yep. shaped surface? So you say, oh, all right. So if I want to know what the so as I construct in my head this vision of what the world looks like, or if I want to describe it in an epic poem, right. um, it looks like a shield that's partially submerged in water, and then the water just goes on and extends. Oh, right? I see. Oh, okay. Um, because I can't keep walking along the water 
like I do, <laughs> like I do along the earth. So I'll just assume that the water goes and is done. There just keeps going on forever. I have no, I don't know what happens to the water after that. So the image is that it's a, it's a dome. It's the shield. It's a curved shield, uh, you know, dome in a way, a flattened yeah. dome um, that sits in an ocean. And is the ocean curved? Well, I don't know because I can't go check on that. So the, did they actually say, we don't know, so we, we, we'll just leave it at that? Yeah, so it just goes from there. Um, and exactly what, of course, they imagined, so I should say this is an important uh, detail here, is yeah. um, a few thousand years ago, the Greeks were a seafaring people, as many folks were in the Mediterranean. Uh, yeah. The kind of ships you had, things like triremes, can't go very far from uh, land. Oh. That is, they go like a couple hundred yards out into the water and any deeper than that, they get swamped. Um, huh. And it so happens that the Mediterranean has lots of islands. So there's lots of shallows that you can go from place to place. So you can still get around pretty well. Um, but like you don't just sail straight across the Mediterranean. That's not doable in those old boats. Instead, you just stick yeah. to the land and you go around. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And actually as, as sea surfaces go, the Mediterranean is, somewhat more benign i imagine yeah, it's, very, it's quite calm for the same and, reason right it never gets right. very deep um it's never big enough for winds to really pick up high speeds um, right. so it's a good place to be uh, a seafaring people who actually aren't very good at building boats right i can say that the mediterranean i, I saw that i've seen the mediterranean from uh, israel mm -hmm. and um uh it does look like the i mean it, it when you look out, it's like looking across the ocean. Although I suppose the great, having been to Chicago also, the Great Lakes have that same feeling, mm -hmm. right? You can't see. Yep, they just kind the of stretch out. Yeah. Um, but, the, but, but it's interesting to note that, say, um, uh, the Great Lakes or the Mediterranean um, are calm because they are relatively small in contrast to, say, wow. the Pacific, which is terrifying uh, <laughs> and, right. and absolutely okay. incorrectly named. Um, so, <laughs> you know, so the Greeks are huddling in their little triremes as close to shore as they possibly can be, um, at the same time that the Polynesians are in their tiny little canoes cruising over thousand mile gaps on the Pacific, um, wow. scaling hundred foot waves. Um, so, so if we, we think of Greeks as seafarers, but they're actually not very good. Um, Although it sounds like they were good enough for what they, for their purposes. They were good enough to conquer a good chunk of the world. So that's yeah, pretty awesome. Yeah. Right? And they and, did, it's interesting, like New York, like New York in a way, or, uh, they, it was an island mm -hmm. nation, yeah, so, so to speak. So it's, not, so it's actually kind of convenient to do the thought experiment from Manhattan. Um, yeah. So it's not, it's not irrational to, uh, uh, to come to the same kind of conclusion. Yeah. Um, and then what. Although I will say that Staten Island is no Mount Olympus. For all its no, glory, <laughs> the great glory of Staten Island. Yeah, yeah, the the world's largest landfill, Fresh yeah. Gales landfill, now being turned actually into a beautiful park. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think it is the highest point on the eastern seaboard, or something insane. Like yeah, all right, so maybe a nice place to observe the curvature of the Earth, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah. and the Statue of Liberty to boot, which is also kind of an ancient, ancient-ish kind of yeah. thing. Mm -hmm. Well, like this giant, you know, giant statues, kind of like. Uh, oh, yeah, kind of like the, the modern Colossus of Rhodes kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Um, so that's. So they just, here's what I'm curious about. They, they mm -hmm. said that they, um, 
Because we've talked about this a little bit in the past when we, we've delved into these areas and how Aristotle is sort of credited as one of the first scientists in a way, right? Um, the idea that they would actually say, well, we just don't know, mm -hmm. seems very much like, it's like, oh, well, it's not testable. Oh. As a, but they yeah. must have had myths. That's right. I, yeah. I, so there's lots of stories about what is beyond the various edges of things. Right. Um, and there's lots of cool stories too, actually, uh, oh. <clears throat> uh, of like, for instance, the, uh, uh, you know, uh, shipwrecked sailors who find themselves in mysterious places. Mm -hmm. um, so beyond that edge of the water, um, there's all sorts of possibilities because the Greeks were, were of course, very aware that um, the world was bigger than they had visited. Uh, right. Uh -huh. So, for instance, um, you know, they had because nature of the Mediterranean, they've visited the edge of Africa and the edge of Asia and the edge of Europe. Um, and they didn't really have a sense of of where those uh, what was beyond those sorts of points. So this yeah. actually gives rise to a really interesting genre um, of the, the, the travel log, um, which is reports from travelers who have gone to the edge um, and come back. And some of these, so for instance, Herodotus is one of the, the great uh, Greek historians, um, but also has these, these travel logs of people returning from uh, places in Africa and Asia. Um, and some of the reports they bring back are of things like, you know, there's lions. You're like, oh, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. And then another traveler says, uh, there's a place where people's faces are in their stomachs and they don't have heads. <laughs> that sounds like America. <laughs> um, so, as as moderns reading these documents, it's actually kind of hard to to know how to assess them um, because they're they're full of things that are totally recognizable to us, as well as things that seem totally bizarre, um, like people people that have just one giant foot instead of two legs. <laughs> We're pretty sure there aren't people like that, um, yeah. but there. But the reports of them are right next to, say, reports of the kind of fish that live in the Nile. So, right. Hmm. So Facebook and Twitter were every bit as messed up then <laughs> as they are now, as unreliable. So I mentioned, for instance, so we're in New York, and um, how. D did they have a sense of the scale? Like they actually is this separate from? Uh, I forget who it was who actually calculate was Greek and calculated the actual size of the Earth and was yeah. pretty close. So this is the so this is the tricky bit. Once you have yeah. this this sense that um, the place you live is rounded in this way, and then it ends in water, um, you've got a few sort of conceptual options. You can just say, "All right, that's good enough for me." Um, I'm never leaving my island, so I don't really right. need to, to think sense. about what's beyond that. Yeah. Um, you can Which get is, by the way, how a lot of people feel about Staten Island. Not a lot, a lot. Right? Well, just the space program. Ah. Uh, yes, that's right. Whatever. Um, yeah. Or you can, uh, you can try to go as far as you can into the water and see if there's something beyond there. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of our current space program, right? We poke, poke out as far as yeah. we can and see what we can yep. see. Um, or you can, uh, and then this is the, the, the big leap, is you can try to infer what the parts of the world that you can't see might be like. Mm. Okay. So 
uh, a thing you can do is you say, all right, if this part of the earth is round in this particular way, maybe it just keeps being round. Like on the other side of the water, uh, right. the roundness continues. Okay. Uh -huh. So then uh -huh. you say, what if it's not, what if the shield is just the tip of the ball? Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now I should say there's no, <laughs> there's not really a good reason to make that leap. Right. Uh -huh. Because right. until you can sail around the world and actually sh see that that's the case, um, you can't uh, you can't know that that is true. <laughs> right. Right. Um, right. Instead, so even like what we think of as these famous experiments uh, with people like uh, Eudoxus, these ancient Greek astronomers, um, in which uh, they. They say, all right, so we've got Greek colonies in North Africa, and then we have Greek colonies in what we think of as, as modern Greece. Um, and on a particular day of the year, if you measure the height of the sun at a particular moment, you can then do this geometry and figure out that if the Earth is curved between them, how far apart are they? And what is, you can then measure the curvature of the Earth by right. doing this kind of distant experiment. But that actually only tells you about the curvature of the Earth between those two points. Oh, and that can right. still that can still be an Achilles shield kind of shape. Your shield is just a little bigger than it was uh -huh. before. Uh -huh. um, the The great mental leap is to say that curvature will continue beyond where I can see it, and go all the way around. Go all the way around, which is right. real. I can. It's just, here's the interesting thing. Take a moment, mm -hmm. listeners, and imagine standing on the beach and looking out at the ocean, and having the first idea. Of like, where does it go? Okay, well, let's say it goes, it's curving away from me, and it keeps curving. I think once my mind got to the point that it would curve all the way underneath my feet. <laughs> that's where it gets a little weird, right? Come back, I would get vertigo and just think, well, no, that's the least likely. Right. Scenario. So that, I mean, that's, that almost borders on the realm of absurd. Yeah. So in order to make that leap, um, you need some other mental tools to, to bring along. Um, so one of them uh, is you, you look up in the sky and you say, mm -hmm. oh, well, you know, the stars and the uh, planets, um, which by which the Greeks included the, uh, the sun and the moon, um, move around us, right? They, they seem to right. move around us in a circle. They, they go across the sky and then come back to the same place every day. And they themselves are round. So uh -huh. it looks oh, like the oh. it looks like the universe likes round things. Interesting. Yeah. So maybe that's a reason to think that the Earth is round as well. You, you know, that's um right at that point. It's like oh yeah, then it almost seems obvious. I mean, you just mm -hmm. look at the moon, yeah. and if it, it it does look round. Although now, was there a period where they thought these things might be? flat or was it by the shape of the shadows on the moon for instance that they so this is a, this is a source of some argument among uh, ancient astronomers whether the right. uh, the earth is or whether the moon is a disk or, or a sphere um, they end up deciding sphere because um, as you say because of the the shapes of shadows during eclipses um, right uh, right right it yeah. suggests that it's actually a sphere so it's not the it's not a thing you can prove um, but it seems to be the uh, the clearest explanation for, yeah. for what's being seen so if you are willing to make certain assumptions about the nature of the universe, like the universe has preferred shapes, then 
you can mm-hmm. extend your lump of earth uh, into a whole sphere, into, mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. kind of the mm-hmm. world as we know it today. Right. Um, but that's a, that's a leap that you have to make. And you are under no, like I said, you have to trust mathematicians. You have to trust astronomers. You have Neither of which are a good idea. Which are never, never a good idea. Um, And it's not at all obvious that those are conceptual leaps worth making. Um, So for, for most people's purposes, the Achilles shield model works pretty well. Um, It explains (laughs) the curvature that you can see. It doesn't make any unwarranted assumptions about the rest of the world. Um, And you don't have to do any math. That's great. It's a little bit like how we got by on Newton's ideas of Mm -hmm. gravity or, or, you know, of the universe. As far as we get, it wasn't until you get to the, uh, the society gets modern enough that you know, we're in new situations, things are faster, whatever, all the stuff that comes around in Einstein's time that it becomes apparent that uh, we need to, we should deal with the faulty. We should deal with how a little bit of it doesn't quite work. Yeah. Um, so, uh, sorry, did, did they say how big they thought the shield was? Oh, so this is an interesting question is... Um, yeah. That is not so much a question. That is the idea of like a precise map in terms of distances and scaled numbers and such um, is not an important question. And you can actually kind of see that in the both the Iliad and the Odyssey, that precise distances are not the question, uh, distances and times, right? So if you read the Iliad literally, um, it takes a week to get from Athens to Troy, um, and then you know, twenty years to get home again, right? So that that doesn't seem quite right. Um, it's so a twenty-year journey. It's not that they get stuck in a war. They also get stuck in lots of places, um, right. but no, that's actually how long it takes them to get home. Um, so the idea of you know our our kind of modern intuition and say, well, okay, if this is the shape of the world, then draw me a precise map of what it looks like. You know, what, what are the, what's the shape of the boundary? How far across is it? Right. Um, but it turns out that that's actually not the way they thought about it. Um, that was not an important piece of information. Um, uh, so they would, so if you ask the person who lives in the empire state building for their whole life, you say, you know, how far is it from here uh, to the East river? They're yeah. like, I don't know. Yeah. It takes me a couple of days to walk. Yeah, that, that's uh, interesting you say that. Like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I randomly happen to know that Manhattan is 12 miles long. But other than that, uh, I don't know. You know, you, you know it yeah, more. And I mean, there's there's an important analogy, I think, with one of the ways that we do get around New York, which is the subway. Um, right. Which is the actual physical distance between point A and B in New York is actually not so important. What's important right. is how far it is via the subway. Like it's, yeah. it's people like to say, well, it's 45 minutes to anywhere in Manhattan. Um, and that's kind of true, actually. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. it takes me 45 minutes to get up to 128th Street. It also takes me 45 minutes to get uh, 10 blocks downtown. Um, yeah. And that's, uh, so that's, the, so that's actually more useful information to me than the actual physical layout of the city. In fact, the first time you, uh, if you get up the nerve to ride a bike, 
in New York, or you could ride a bike in the parks and ring the island. Um, I remember doing that, and it's bizarre because suddenly you realize how tiny it is. By bike, you can zip around. <laughs> you know, you, you can ride from one area to another in minutes um, that you would never be able to do in traffic or riding the subway or right. mm -hmm. even walking. Um, and or if you take a taxi on a Sunday morning versus five o'clock on a weekday, you realize that basically when there's when traffic is not involved, when you take out all the density of the people and mm -hmm. stuff, yeah. um, it's a very small, very small place. Yeah. So that's an so I think that's a, a, a really illustrative example of why it's not always useful to say something like, well, if the world is shaped like this. Um, what are its exact dimensions, or to demand a step-by-step -step, um, accurate map, uh, because sometimes accuracy is not quite what you want, um, uh, but rather other things may be more valuable. Right, or it sort of it doesn't matter because it would take far more than a human lifetime to get to some other place. And that's right. Yeah, you could, you might just say it's moot. Like I don't right. Right. Um, or it's unconquerable and therefore uninteresting to us. Okay. Yeah. Or I should say, one of certainly one of the lessons of the Odyssey um, is that uh, the edges of the world is a terrifying place, um, full of dangers and horrors, and you might just want to stay home. No, um, no, I think that would that would definitely. I, I think that's probably one of the things that drew us out of Africa. <laughs> Don't you think? Some people. There's always going to be some people that are drawn to that have the courage to do that, mm -hmm. and the rest, and then the rest of us who are interested in hearing the stories when they come back, uh, if that would they be, come back, and making documentaries about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, the Iliad was like an early documentary. You know, it's journalistic um, nature. Um, uh, Herodotus and the other travel logs are definitely oh, yeah the first documentaries, um, yeah. and a lot of them have this kind of. Mutual the Omaha Wild Kingdom feel to them. Right. Look right. at the strange places here. That's right. Now, if the Earth is, is this uh, shield in an ocean which may or may not be curved and become a sphere, uh, but we're concerned with the shield part, mm -hmm. uh, how do... Um, what about volcanoes earthquakes what was their sense of geology how does uh, how would that work I, i'm sorry let me take that back what because the whole thing we what we do here is we say using known science how do we explain this so if our known thing of, of for instance continental drift and um, plate tectonics um and geology uh how do we tie that into this notion that we live on a on a shield well, so um, one of the standard shapes that sub-aquatic right. volcanoes make is, of course, shields. Um, yeah. So uh, Hawaii, for instance, um, the big island of Hawaii is one oh, big shield volcano shield thing, right? Yeah. Um, so that would be, and I should say, this is one of the reasons that um, this model of the Earth uh, is very popular all around the world, because this is actually a very common shape uh, to run yeah. into. Um, uh, so we'd have no problem with that whatsoever. And you might even have a nice, uh, you know, if you're Polynesian, get a nice multi multiverse theory um, where you have dozens of different uh, shield-shaped worlds uh, spread out through a vast ocean. So that would mean that um, 
if for some reason the Greeks theory uh, of, of the planet, the shape of the planet lasted until our time for some reason, mm-hmm. uh, then um, it's like we never got Discovery Channel. So we stuck to that. Yes. <laughs> and uh, we decide to go find the Axis Mundi. We would find uh, a volcano at the center of the Earth. Yeah, that's right. Actually, again, an analogy to Hawaii, we'd go find Kilauea um, crater ah. sitting at the, the middle of the island. Um, right. And uh, Pele, the, the, the lava goddess there, um, kicking up an island for us. Should be pretty nice. Yeah. Now, this would mean that what's it, what I find fascinating is it seems like their idea is that there probably are not uh, th- their idea of that ocean becomes a bit of a blank slate. So that it seems like there's one shield, one land mass, and the rest is probably not out there. So let's say, let's oh, yeah, leave right, that. Right. We still don't know whether something else is out there. Right. Well, I'm intrigued by the idea that everything we know about evolution, uh, including even before biological evolution, just the evolution of the, of the land mass, let's say, of the, of the planet, um, comes it's super centralized like that would be fascinating it might be that mm-hmm. <laughs> evolution you know the complex uh, migration of humans early hominids or whatever you call it from africa all over the world which is pretty complicated uh would it be more like reading tree rings or something like there would be rings around that central axis mundi of of how far people had gotten uh, yeah, and I should say there's a whole subfield of evolutionary biology called island biogeography um, that studies these very particular things that happens with um, uh, how species move around and adapt on islands. Uh, wow. And this is one of the things that spurs Darwin's ideas um, back when he's a young man traveling the world. Um, is he does do that journey around the world and goes from island to island, um, and that gets him thinking about particular questions in particular ways. Uh, so he so, does do the the Polynesian multiverse journeying. Wow, that's wild. So in other words, he he can see that each island, uh, by being compact enough, allows him to see everything from ashore to perhaps. Yeah. So he says uh, each each island is a natural experiment, uh-huh, um, uh-huh. and noticing how each island kind of does its both does its own thing, and right. that there's patterns. Um, to what happens between the islands is what gets them thinking about natural selection. What's cool about this idea, though, is that the shield is so big. Let's mm-hmm. say it seems it's continent size. Or no, I don't even well, know it how big. Could be, right? It's well, we kind of we just have a sense that it's too big to walk around easily. Right. Uh, well, well, for instance, let's say this. It's uh, using our analogy of of making it close to our current world. It's as big as all the land mass of the Earth. So instead of having all the, it's a little bit more of a Pangaea type thing. All the Earth, yeah, Yeah, one one thing. And the idea being, it's such a huge distance. And then perhaps the idea that life is born only at one spot in the middle. That's pretty cool. Which is also, I guess, a lot of ancient cosmologies or ancient cultures have this idea Mm -hmm. that there was a central point, uh, right? Like, um, yeah, that's right. Um, And that's. I said that's a, a natural conclusion to come to from the from an Achilles shield type view of the world, right? You see everything right. curve away from you, and then the ocean is there, and you're like, okay, I must be at the middle. Um, so yeah, so the Greeks had their axis mundi. Um, China literally calls itself the Middle Kingdom, right? These these things are not oh. accidents. Interesting. So in fact, for instance, you would find dinosaur bones 
only within in a certain ring of the central crater, right? So if the idea is that life itself is born inside the axis mundi in the crater, mm -hmm. that that is the warm pond or the, you know, whatever, uh, that was the first source of energy and heat on the planet. There was some liquid there and life was born and evolved only from this central place. Then, uh, and, you know, so you could say if, if creatures could move at a particular speed, <laughs> you know, whatever yeah, the maximum right. amount of distance that they could travel in their lifetimes, you would see um, it be, inter instead of a geological layer, which we have, where you can dig down, for instance, the Grand Canyon, right? And you can mm -hmm. see literally years stacked upon years because things died. They got piled up on top of each other. Here, they could be spread out. It's like a linear. Uh, that's right. Depending, assuming that the world is not old enough for. Every right, for things to have come back or yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah 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 that's why i think it'd, it'd be interesting if it was so huge that um, you don't see people out there because they haven't we you know we could be yeah, the first people you, yeah. that got so far yeah that's right and there's a sort of interesting analogy to that with um biomes on mm. shield shaped islands like hawaii uh which is that biomes are in rings um around the center uh, so, oh, if, okay. so right in the center is high and cold. Um, so you get kind of a desert type effect. Um, and then as you get lower, it gets warmer and wetter. Um, so yeah. you get, um, I think it's 11 different biomes from the top of Hawaii uh, down yeah. to the shore. Um, so the, actually, interestingly, the way they traditionally divided up land on Hawaii um, was in sort of uh, strips from the center down to the water so everybody got a little bit of each biome oh that's interesting spoke like a spoke layout mm -hmm. yeah very cool very cool yeah i think this would be pretty neat um and then uh you would just have to get, we would get better and better ships and we would answer the question of what else lies out there or mm -hmm. if someone else suddenly arrived on our shores you know, that's right and then what what conclusion do we make from that yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there's a whole nother volcano that, of course, considers itself the Axis Monday, mm -hmm. which is kind of how our Earth is. Which know. is kind of how it goes. Everybody thinks it's like, you know, everybody calls themselves the people, right? That's, oh, what, is that's that right? what everybody's yeah. name, <laughs> the name of right. tribes and things is always just the people because they yeah. think they're the only ones. Um, that's right. And then they discover that, oh, yeah, there's a whole bunch of other peoples out there. Right. There's the people, and then there's the ones who we will exploit. <laughs> or who will exploit us. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you. This is this was uh this was really cool. And and tell me again the name what was it? Hephaestus? Hephaestus, what, yes. Uh, a Hephaestus. Vulcan in um A Vulcan. Uh, yeah, so Hephaestus is the, the Greek god of the forge, and then the Roman version of him is Vulcan. Fantastic. Fantastic. And yeah, uh, Hephaestus is a cool character. Should you want to track him down? Yeah, he should have a show. He we'll have Hephaestus on as a guest. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I was thinking Netflix, but yeah, if we, we could bring him bring him down to podcast level, I think it'd be fine. I think he'd be cool with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sounds right. Um, fantastic. Uh, all right. So I look forward to hearing uh, maybe some of the things your, your students, uh, how they react to this yeah, notion. Yeah. They they live on Captain America's shield. <laughs> Fascinating to learn. Um, do you have anything you'd like to plug coming up? 
Uh, no, nothing's coming. Nothing to plug. Now. You have been vaccinated, however. So. I have been vaccinated. Yes, yeah, so I guess I should plug uh, vaccination. Everybody should go out and get vaccinated. That is good. That is good. Uh, I'm going to check in real quick now with the mailbag. Alicia writes in and said, uh, "Missing episodes in feed." In Hello. What? Oh dear. In the feed, she says. Actually, this is a funny story. So she says, "Hello, excited to have discovered your podcast. Thank you very much. Via flash forward, that's another one from good that podcast. Thank you." Um, uh, and hello, as always, back to Rose, a producer of that show. I would love to listen to the first nine episodes on Podcast Addict, but they seem to be missing. Is there any way you could add them to your feed? And I, I did reply to Alicia, and uh, it's a funny story. Actually, I don't know if you know this, Matt. So our first 10 episodes, we were just sort of getting up to speed. Yeah. And um, I kind of didn't want to launch until we had 10 episodes in the can, so to speak. And then we launched with episode 11, but I put all 10 of, the, of our pilot episodes up. After a while, what I noticed was uh, so many people who listened to us, including you, who listener, who may be listening right now, a lot of them are completists, are, mm-hmm. uh, you know, want to, they discover something they like, I do the same thing, and they want to go back and start listening at the beginning. But I felt like those first 10 episodes, it was so different. Uh, and we were still getting her bearings and stuff like that. I was like, ah, I don't, that kind of became the first impression, you know. Um, yeah. So I thought, ah, start with episode 10. So episodes one through nine are now in a secret vault mm-hmm. uh, at the bottom of uh, Kilauea. <laughs> and and uh, they may come out uh, in the future. But uh, Alicia, thank you. I, I do really appreciate that. And if there's a lot, of, if there's a bunch of other people who want to hear them, let me know. Um, I, I am sort of looking forward to, uh, I'd like to create a Patreon at some point so we can really help this show grow. And um, I think that those first nine episodes might be a fun sort of bonus for people to get yeah. upon joining. Uh, and Alicia, thank you for the three uh, hands clasped emoji, the kind of praying <laughs> or thank you. Uh, emojis. So, um, Alicia, I don't remember if I asked you uh, where are you listening from. Anyone who writes in, by the way, if you could just let me know, I'm really curious. Love to know where you're listening from. Where on the shield, or perhaps the sea, um, or are you in Troy? Are you inside a wooden, a wooden horse that maybe we should <laughs> approach? Um, let us know, and uh, yeah, and also let us know uh, how long you've been listening, how'd you find this show, etc. All right. Well, thank you, uh, Matt. Have a wonderful week uh, here in the United States. We have uh, we have a new president coming in, and uh, from a science point of view, I'm very excited. I, I yeah, we like we will have a cabinet level science officer for the first time. Yeah, um, yeah. and in fact, their deputy um, is a, a historian of science. So no way. That. Yeah. Oh, do you know that person? Um, no, I know their their work, but I'm not uh, not right. Pleased. Right. Well, we will, we will try to get them on. Um, if they're not busy running the country, mm-hmm. <laughs> what more could you do than sit on a podcast? That would be great. But yeah, I think it's, you know, uh, uh, and this is true for all previous administrations, uh, except for the current, the current most, whatever you call it, uh, the outgoing administration right now, the, you know, the uh, assault on science was just horrific. Um, and science education is what we do. So I, and I think science literacy and just pure logic training is good for everyone. So I'm excited to see, uh, things getting re- revved up again. It's going to be great. Not to mention healthcare. 
uh, and uh, research in uh, things like vaccines and pandemic prevention would be fantastic. So um, congratulations to all the new people coming to Washington. And to all our listeners everywhere around the world, thank you for listening. Um, Matt, uh, coming from across the horizon are perhaps a near infinite number of ifs. And they're not riding those, what were those ships you said that couldn't uh, get very far? Yeah. Not These aren't triremes. These are... These are caravels. Fast okay. and swift. <laughs> full of ifs. <laughs> Here come the caravel, the caravel navy, the armada is coming. And as this approaches, each one of these ships is carrying an idea that we might take up for a show. It might be your idea. If you're listening, send it in. Send your caravel in. Um, but Matt, how do you feel? You see all these ships coming, all each of them floating in an idea in the air. Uh, I would probably feel the need to scream, What? what? The...